Welcome, welcome, and thank you for tuning into the first episode of Yokana's Vernacular. I'm yours truly, and I started this podcast today because I love to talk. I have opinions, I'm cynical, and I love to talk. Let's get into the five different topics that I'm going to talk about and why I feel that they're important and that you shouldn't have skipped out on reading up on them today. And maybe you'll read up a little more on them because I've shared my opinions on them. Let's dive right in. The first is Verger versus California. It sounds like a case. Guess what? It is a case. This is a case and trial that passed this past Tuesday with nine different students that brought their issues from a school system in California to a judge pretty much throwing out laws that would govern tenure and job protection for teachers. They felt that teachers in their school systems were using tenure to their advantage beyond the reason. Now, for the most of our listeners, we more than likely went to school in this country, which means that you know which teachers put a movie on, you know which teachers drilled you every day, and you know which teachers knew they had tenure. I mean, this rule applies in college, and you can kind of test the waters. Well, anyways, we had nine students who were strong enough and, you know, had some backing from some cool supporters with an organization known as studentmatter.org to go against the school system. And guess what? They won. So they took out the LIFO layoff structure, which is last in, first out, and that would help towards getting effective teachers distributed properly and accordingly, rather than having, you know, the effective teachers going in places that probably don't need it as much as lower income areas that more than likely need better schooling. Side note, when I think of Californian education, I think of Hilary Swank in that awesome movie, Freedom Writers. And I think every time that children and activists stand up for education, that's how it's going to work that smoothly and that beautifully, and you're going to have that really cool music in the background, and all the sad stories are going to be solved. And then I realize we're in a society where things like that don't happen. We need to wake up and realize that sometimes it's going to take the actual student sitting in the desk who realizes that they're not happy with what's going on to keep moving and get things done. So great job to those nine students who stood up for a whole country and a whole school district's performance that they were just pretty much unsatisfied with. I can be honest in telling you that (laughs) I was nowhere close to taking my teachers to court, yet alone talking to, you know, other students in class. But besides the point, moving on with, you know, the educational theme, we're going to keep talking about Oprah and Tivana Chai. There's a Starbucks on every corner for the most part, unless you live in, you know, Nowheresville or Jennings, Louisiana, population 12. But Oprah has started last month putting out a new chai tea line with Starbucks and Tivana. And it's pretty much defined as a boldly spiced black tea with rubus infusion. While I haven't tried it, I've heard great reviews. It has her signature and quote on every little sleeve. And For every cup that's sold in a Starbucks or for every, you know, packaging of tea that is sold, a quarter 
to a dollar goes towards Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy Foundation, Girls Incorporated, National Cares Mentoring Movement, Pathways to College, or the U.S. Dream Academy, which is a national organization and after-school mentoring program. So, you know, the money that's getting raised from these different tea supporters is pretty good. While we're talking about Oprah, you know, just a little phenomenal woman, let's go into this leadership academy that hardly gets any attention. All we ever hear is, oh yeah, Oprah opened a school in Africa. Let's delve in that. First of all, it only costed $40 million. Yeah, $40 million sounds like a lot, but to Oprah, that's, you know, chump change. So for $40 million, Oprah started a school in Johannesburg, South Africa, and it pretty much houses 152 disadvantaged girls, and it started in January of 2007. It's a boarding school, so they live there. They only get to see their parents and families, maybe, you know, on the weekends or at the end of the month. With that being said, these are disadvantaged girls, and this is not disadvantaged to where they can only watch TV in the living room. This is disadvantaged to the point where They're not sure where their parents are. They're not sure where their next meal is coming from. They might have to be taking care of their brothers and sisters. They might have a disease that you can't cure. So it's good to know that $40 million, a blink of Oprah's eye, of course, literally saved a bunch of lives and will continue to do so. It's on my bucket list to visit this location if I get the chance to go back to Joburg. So... Rolling right along, we're going to go into talking about a really fun TV show that everybody with a Netflix account or everybody with a friend who has a Netflix account is watching. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Orange is the New Black and why it's awesome. Oh, wait, I don't know why it's awesome because I haven't watched it. But guess what, guys? I read and I've heard awesome things just like you all probably know. Laverne Cox, number one. This is a really cool African-American woman who is on the cover of Time magazine. People saw this as a great step forward because, you know, she's transgender and she plays a transgender person. And it's a great stance for, you know, minorities in the media. However, I didn't realize, you know, not being transgender myself, that this was kind of a setback because Laverne Cox was not in the month before's issue of Time, where the most 100 influential people were. You know, that lovely cover with Beyonce looking all pale, even though I'm a fan of hers. It just calls to the point that they made a mistake, and while they kind of mended it, the community is not happy. Take that into consideration. Moving on to why, you know, Orange is New Black is pretty cool. It's got some really awesome stats I've heard as far as Netflix. It's blowing all the other shows out of the water. Um, It was generated more views and hours views in week one than any other Netflix original series, like, you know, House of Cards or Arrested Development. This might be Because, you know, you've got a producer who is recognized for producing stuff like Sex and the City, Weeds, Mad About You, and whatnot. But all I can say is it's on my list of stuff to watch. I've never watched an exclusively online TV show, 
But that's what our future is coming to. Turning on what we want when we want. And why not? Because we are a society that demands instant gratification. Guess what? I am happily a part of it. I am not ranting about it. To continue with the OITNB trend, did you know it was based off of a memoir? I doubt you did. And it was pretty much based off of Piper Kerman, a woman who spent a year in prison, literally, and she wrote a book about it. And they twisted it into a TV series. That's pretty cool. Until I heard about Alison Samuels, who was a writer for Huffington Post, and shared with the interworld why she believes that she will never be watching Orange is the New Black. She says she's not going to watch it because she's tired of seeing African Americans in the same roles behind bars. And that's the only time that they get, you know, main roles. And if we wanted to, we could watch Oz or The Wire because, you know, those did the same thing. Crime, black people, you know, association. And it makes me think, maybe I don't want to see those things in the same types of references. And you go back and she also references the fact that shows like Friends, which are based in New York City, never had black people in it. She talks about other different shows that, you know, really require African-American presence because of their location, demographic, and society, and culture. Yet, they are never even shown. We play black people when we want to in the media. Fine, I get it. But at the same time, it also exposes a harsh reality of, quote, what society and what life really is behind bars for these women and how they got there, end quote. I don't know if that's what we're really teaching or exposing to people. By putting it in the media, are we showing people what's going on or are we neutralizing it? I feel like every time we put something in the media like Law & Order SVU, one of my favorite shows, we're neutralizing the subject rather than really bringing an issue to it. But hey, just keep watching and, you know, don't tell me what's going on because I'm always late to this game. I watched... Harry Potter, and I read all the books, you know, like three years after they came out. Why? Because I'm slow. But on to a more calmer subject, we go to change.org. This is a really cool website for people who don't know where you can petition and sign petitions that are in place for things that are taking place real life real world, real time. You literally sign something or sign a document virtually saying that you agree with the petition being made. How was I drawn to this website, you ask? Well, as I previously mentioned, I am a Beyonce fan. And going around, there is a petition for Blue Ivy, her daughter, to have her hair taken care of because, you know, it kind of looks a little messy sometimes. And that's a whole nother rant for a whole nother day that many other podcasts have taken care of. Wink, wink. But with that, um, it makes me wonder how people can actually try and put that on the same level as another petition that I read literally by, you know, jumping on this website called Kaylee's Law. Kaylee's Law has 1.3 million supporters and it started two weeks ago. Kaylee's law, in essence, or layman's terms, would um, put any parents who did not report their children missing after 24 hours in contempt. 
And you know what? From the sounds of the story, I'm pretty sure in all seriousness that this is one of those laws that needs to go into place. Yet you have people who put up petitions like deport Bieber or comb Blue Ivy's hair and you expect them to be treated on the same level and the same seriousness. When are we going to take social media seriously or at least divide the seriousness and leave places where we actually want civil matters taken care of exactly as they are? Social media continues to have frenzies and continues to have issues and I like to think of a little phrase called a click of social justice, which is my final topic for today. I'm going to talk in hashtags, so please don't tone me off. Just, you know, be prepared. The first one is, yes, all women. If you didn't know about this one, this one was about two weeks ago. That was a response on Twitter that went to the one that was called hashtag not all men. Not all men was a defense Twitter hashtag used when females were, you know, aggressively generalizing that all males rape women, which we know, you know, doesn't really happen. Then you get a bunch of angry women, not just a bunch, you get the majority, not even the majority, you get thousands from across the country and across the world tweeting in with the hashtag, yes, all women, not only why it's necessary, why rape culture still exists, but also traumatizing stories to, you know, rape culture and what's happened to them in their lives or why they feel that they should not have to learn self-defense or be more overprotective rather than teach males, you know, what not to do in situations and not to frighten women in other situations. Feminism continues to be an uproar and an issue. And then there was the fun and lovely hashtag yes all white women because that's all the media kind of brought attention to when they talked about this hashtag, but it didn't get too much attention. And you know what? That's also another rant for another day. Going on with more hashtags, you have hashtag not one more. This one was in link with an associated hashtag RH shooting. That was the shooting for the Oregon loss and school that took place earlier this week where, you know, a student went out and brought guns to school on the bus in his music equipment box and a duffel bag and as well as, you know, the clothes he had on. He stayed in the locker room for the majority of the day and then he shot two people. We used the hashtag not one more hoping that it would garner attention. We used the hashtag RH shooting to hopefully garner attention for our society. But at the same time, I feel like when something is trending on Twitter, it's literally a ripple effect into society. We see it for a day or two, then we blink our eyes, get up, make waffles, and keep going. And that doesn't mean that we don't care. It just means that Twitter's not a petition or an activist medium. Neither is change.org. While it might be a spot to collect votes and opinions on a topic, it's not getting the job done. It's not the physical effort. Just like the most important one that we probably all have not been thinking about, which was hashtag bring back our girls. This one was in reference to the Nigerian 300 girls that were kidnapped from a school maybe about a month and a half ago. 
We had celebrities. We had everybody trending this hashtag, trying to get officials in there in Nigeria to go stop Boko Haram, you know, to continue to put pressure on him and to try and get this solved. As soon as we heard that officials took one step, we kind of looked away and were like, oh, okay, activists taken care of. Good job for the clicking. Let's move on. Yet 272 of those girls are still there and 20 more. Let me repeat that for you. 20 more have been abducted. Now, these are 20 grown women, but that's really not an issue because if this were in our, you know, phenomenal country and land of the free, we would have never looked away and we definitely would have used more than a hashtag. And it just makes you wonder exactly what are we doing and what are we doing wrong? And why don't we get out and rally and petition more? Why do we stand behind computers and phones and social media to voice our opinions? I love reading blogs and I love reading articles and I've seen maybe in the past two days really fast responses on blog comments or blog posts that people felt really strongly about. I'm not going to mention them. But at the same time, you can get no attention or nobody coming out to actual events for these causes. And I wonder, would putting a celebrity's face out there solve the problem? Maybe temporarily. I just... It's something I want to leave you guys with today. And that's a statement I learned at the beginning of this week at my job. Nobody wants to hear that their baby is ugly. Guess what? Your baby's ugly. And it's my job to tell you guys that. And with that, I'm wrapping up Yokana's vernacular. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, topics, issues, or, you know, ballads that you want me to talk, sing, or comment about, use the hashtag Yokana V on Twitter. I'll look them up before my next show and definitely address anything that I see. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a blessed Friday.